hello and welcome to Coaching Professional Women Survivors of Abuse. This is episode number 111. I am so honored to have Brandy Smith on the podcast today. You're all going to be in for a treat. Brandy reached out to me after finding me, I think, on my podcast or on my Facebook page. Um, but she has an incredible story of survival. She is a five-year domestic violence and sexual violence survivor. She was on the daytime television show, The Doctors, twice, and has had 16 surgeries after being attacked by her then-husband in 2016. Her ex-husband is doing 18 years for aggravated kidnapping and first-degree attempted murder. Gosh, uh, she is a co-author of She Wins Too, and we'll talk about that, a domestic and sexual violence advocate and administrator of BOSS, which is Brandy's own survival story, and she's a survivor. Brandy became a motivational speaker and began telling her story at events in colleges, churches, and such, and she became an advocate. So hello, Brandy, and welcome to our podcast. Hello. How Thank are... you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, you are so welcome. Thank you. <laughs> So why don't you tell me a little bit about how you found me? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I I did see I was going through like um, podcast, and I think I was pulling up podcasts for maybe domestic violence or maybe um, mental um, illness, maybe stuff like that, mm -hmm. um, and it came up. Okay. And then and then I um saw the living free um from fear oh. and then read about that. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, so and that's pretty new. So I'm really excited. So we yes. started for yes. those of you who don't know, most of my listeners do know this because I talk about it all the time now. Um the living free from fear global movement that we've started. So I'm really excited that you you know that that popped up for yes. us. Yes. So that's yes. so great. Um so we chatted a little bit, just so everybody knows. So Brandy reached out to me and we got on a Zoom call and she kind of told me her story, which was just amazing. And then you had said you were on the doctor. So of course I looked up what I could find on um, YouTube about that episode and everything. So um, tell me a little bit about, just a little bit about the background of when you met your husband, your then husband. Um, and how that all started. Um, <clears throat> I was 40. I had never been married or anything. And um, just thought, well, I haven't dated. I hadn't done really anything. It's time for me to maybe, you know, start that. There was a girls weekend. Um, so we went to Tunica in Mississippi. Mm. And he was sitting beside me at a slot machine and we just started talking uh-huh not my type um at all but you know um he was nice we were having a good conversation mm -hmm. uh, we sat there sat there for a couple hours um and playing the slots drinking um and he asked me he lived in memphis i lived in arkansas little rock Mm -hmm. He asked me if he could give me his number, and my first thought was, absolutely not. You know, I'm not going to, Yeah. this is this is not going to amount to anything. And then I thought, we live out of town. 
you know, uh, we can be friends in text. So yeah, and gave it to him, and you know, within the months we were talking all night long. Sometimes he was very intrigued with me. Um, he wanted to learn about my kids. He was intrigued about my family, and I just wasn't used to that. And I thought, hmm. You know, he's just very interested in, in everything, and that's right. kind of nice. Yeah, know? seemingly, you know, starting off just, like, so normal yeah. and so nice. Yeah. 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 And um, now, you know, when you learn red flags and things, you know, looking back, you just think, okay, it was too much. You know, he wanted yeah. to know too much. And, yeah. um it moved very fast mm-hmm. and he just treated me like a princess and you know that's how it that's how it started and i had never really been treated like that mm-hmm. and i was overwhelmed yeah <laughs> and um i thought okay you know maybe this is the one and real quick we started planning yeah and we moved down you know right so all those things that attracted you to him were probably the same things that other people look for in a relationship when it's starting out now you said you were let's say I took some notes um 40 ish when Mm -hmm. you guys met so in your 40s and that's you know for a lot of us it's common I met my husband I was 42 you know and after a past of mistakes and things like that um so what sort of things started happening in the beginning that made you go, hmm, that seems weird? After, and, and like how long, just for our listeners, you know, because I know there's a lot of people listening like, oh my gosh, this is so me. So you, it started off so beautifully. Then kind of tell us how, what happened next. Um, we got married. And once we got married, um, that's kind of when things my daughter who um is 25 now uh she lived with us and my son lived Mm -hmm. with us he was nine at the time and i believe she was he was 10 she was probably 19 or whatever at the time Mm -hmm. she had moved out four months or so after we got married Mm -hmm. and once once that when she moved out and it was just me and my son um he really started getting jealous. He wanted to know my every move. He wanted to know where I was going. Did I really go to the grocery store? Well, if I was only getting this many, you know, things, why did it take so long? Uh-huh. Um, who was I, you know, who was I talking to on the phone? Yeah. You know, who was, who was that text from? What was that, you know, notification on my phone? What was that? You know, it was just, it just progressively got worse. And I also, he started drinking and I, just straight gin. He would just drink straight gin. And, um, that was not stuff that he did, you know, before. Um, so you wouldn't have known obviously because he wasn't doing it before. And then all of a sudden it starts to appear into your life, which that in and of itself is sort of like shocking a little bit, I would imagine. Right. Um, you know, and whereas he hit it before now, the bottles are out on the counter, you Uh know, and, you know, he's taking drinks in front of me, you know, just drinking right up, you know, he's just, it's like, okay, we're married. 
you're mine. You're not going anywhere. I can do what I want to do. Um, you know, and, and want him and my son were so close in the beginning because I mean, he would take him every day. They would play basketball. They would play on, you know, video games. He would take him to the pool at the apartment we lived in. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were really close. Well, now I'm, they're not, I'm noticing that, you know, their relationships not as good. Um, mine and his is not. So the minute I mentioned, I wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. That's when the knives and the box cutters come out. Oh my god! And that's that's when he told me, um, "I'll slit your son's throat, and then I'll slit yours, and I'll kill myself because you're, you know, I'm if, not going to live without you." Okay, so if you ever leave, he's going to. If I ever leave, okay. yes. If I ever left him. Now you um, are you were working at the time, correct? Mm -hmm. And yes. Are I think I saw you were in healthcare. Are you yes, a nurse? I was the I was the team manager, um, urgent team manager at um, an urgent care. Oh, okay. And so we worked twelve hours a day. Yeah. Um, and he didn't like that. Oh, and so you were so, at home a lot with your son and your husband when they were home together. Yes, yes. Um, but I only worked like three days because we worked twelve hour shifts. Right. So 12. I was I was there. Yes. Yeah. Um, but he didn't wor want me working with male patients. You know, it just got really mm -hmm. bad. And, um, then I would get off work and he would be sitting out in the parking lot to make sure that I didn't, you know, I wasn't meeting anybody or walking out with anybody or, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Um, were you surprised that, like when you would come out of work and see him there? I had that same thing happen to me, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're, when yeah. you come out of work, are you like, oh my gosh, what are you doing here? Like, what were your thoughts? Well, it was embarrassing because we all left together, uh, you know, at work. That was just a, a routine that we did. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was kind of embarrassing. Um, yeah. but then there was a grocery store, um, behind our urgent care. So what he started doing so that, that nobody got suspicious at work was parking back there. Oh. Um, because there was only one, you know, two ways to go out. And so either way he would see me. Okay. Um, so he started parking back there okay. because he didn't want anybody to get suspicious of anything that was going on. Okay. Um, and then he would follow me home to make sure I went straight home. Oh, gee. So, so, okay. So that started happening in the beginning. And then, um, so your daughter's gone. It's just you and your son. And you had said that he was sort of being abusive to your son after a while. Like, and um, But I had no idea. Okay. I had no idea that any of the abuse was going on. I just knew that they weren't close uh -huh. anymore. Right. And... Um, I just assumed that my son didn't like his new attitude. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he worked two jobs as well. And so he wasn't hardly there. Um, so okay. I just assumed that, you know, he just didn't like his new attitude and the drinking, you know, and stuff. Yeah, for sure. And I, I knew that he could tell that there was, you know, stuff going on with me and him. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I just, I, I was trying also to figure out how am I going to get away from this man? Oh. Because he, there were things he did to make sure that, um, I believed him when he said he would kill one of my kids. Um, you know, I knew he knew where my daughter lived. I knew he knew where my daughter worked and went to school, but he made it known. Like he gave me a piece of paper that had her address, her school address and her work address on it. Mm -hmm. And, and my son's school and everything, you know, just to show me that, you know, I do know where they are and that if I went and told anybody about it, by the time the police got to him, no matter what, that he would either get inside Tanner's school or to Taylor's work, and he would kill one of them, regardless of how it happened, that he would get to one of them, and then I would have my whole life without one of my kids. And he knew that that would, that would ruin me yeah. not having one of them for sure. So I, I knew, I knew for a fact he was going to kill me or one of the kids. And so I was not going to leave him. So I, I did put up with the abuse that was going on and right. I didn't tell, I didn't tell anybody same story. We all hear yeah. so many women. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and you had a pretty legitimate reason, like, you know, you're going to kill yeah. my kids, so I'm staying, you know, and yeah. the people who yeah. get asked that question and they weren't threatened in that way, people still don't understand, well, why didn't you just they, leave? It's very frustrating. They don't. And they say, you know, well, don't they all say that, that they're going to kill them? Or, you know, don't they all threaten you? You know, they're not really going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to take a chance no. when you're getting, you have a crazy person that's constantly either, you know, mentally abusing you or, you know, beating you, right. you know, you're not going to take a chance, you know, with your kids, especially. Right. Oh, of you know. course not. So can you tell us a little bit about from the point where he said that to you, like the drinking started like you were mm -hmm. married and things were going along. Then he started drinking and then these like knives started to appear from that point up until the attack. Um, kind of tell us whatever you're comfortable with, of course, mm -hmm. what kinds mm -hmm. of things were happening um, between the two of you that were, you know, causing you to feel like, wow, I really have to get out of here. Um, <clears throat> there was an incident where I came home um, no, he came home and I could tell he was in one of his, he had been drinking mm -hmm. and, um, he, he had it to where my phone, every text that I got, he got and every phone call I got, he got, Wow. and he didn't like the relationship of, that I had with my kid's dad mm -hmm. and my kid's dad had called that day and so he had saw where he had called and he um after the call he had texted me and what it was we were talking about my daughter's birthday right. that was coming up uh -huh. and so he had texted me a picture of the car that he was getting her and the work that he had done on it 
okay. So there were there were several texts. So he he knew that I'd got several texts after a phone call. So that just threw him in a, a world of jealousy and one, you know. Yeah. Um he didn't hear our conversation and he couldn't tell what text I got, but he would he knew that I got several. Uh-huh. So he got home and I could tell that he was in like a mood. Well, he got me pinned up in the bath in our bathroom and he was wrestling with me and my son came in and he was standing there and I said, stop, Tanner's watching, you know, because we I I asked him to please never do anything in front of my kids. Yeah, for sure. Um and he knew that he couldn't because then they would tell my parents or something like that. Right. And so he kept pushing my head and my neck against the wall where the towel rack was. Yeah. And he pushed it so hard the towel rack broke and it made a loud noise. Well, Tanner was so scared and I was trying to get away from him. Mm-hmm. Well, he blocks me in the doorway of the room. The bathroom was right here. The doorway was right out. So he's blocking me in the doorway and I'm saying, please, you know, let me go. Well, he won't. Tanner, my son, the kitchen, you can see the kitchen. You can see the wall or the doorway in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. He goes and he grabs a knife out of the kitchen and my son is terrified. He has this terrible look on his face. Poor kid. And Steve starts yelling, yes, please stab me, stab me. And he's yelling so loud and I'm like, please let me go. Stop saying that. And my son is coming towards us really slow with this knife Mm -hmm. and he won't he won't look at me. He's just got this terrified look on his face. Aww. And Steve's yelling, yes, come stab me. Cause if I don't have your mother, if y'all leave me, I have nothing. My life is over. And he's just yelling. I'm like, just please stop. Let me go. And he, I cannot break through from him holding me back. Mm. And I'm yelling, Tanner, look at mama. Tanner, look at mama, because I'm thinking if I get him to look at me and I can, you know, get his attention, you know, I can get him to stop thinking because Steve is yelling, stab me right here, right here. And he's getting closer and closer. Mm. And, you know, my son's a mama's boy. (laughs) (laughs) He's had, you know, he had separation anxiety when he was little for me. And, um, you know, we, it's always been just me and the kids, yeah. you know, we never really, his, their dad never really lived with us. It just didn't work out or whatever. And right. so, you know, it, he's, you know, just seeing his mom, he's never seen anybody do anything like that to his mom. Oh and God. so he's got this look with this knife and he's coming to protect his mom. Yeah. And with Steve yelling, Yes, just do it. Just do it. Stab me right here. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, you know, and I'm just like, please let go of me. And he's getting closer. And I'm thinking he's going to do it if you don't quit, you know, and he's like, yes, yes. Come on. Come on. Do it. Stab me. And I'm just like, Tanner, look at mama. Please look at mama. Look at mama. And he won't. He's in a He's in a, a trance. And he's coming. Yeah. And I something gave me the strength and I just, you know, took my arm and I just, 
as hard as I could elbowed him and somehow got part of his arm off of the door that slid off the door and Tanner was right there and I grabbed him and the knife fell and I grabbed Tanner and I pulled him in the room and Steve went for the knife and I just slammed the door shut and locked it. Oh my. And we didn't have a phone, of course. I had nothing in the room. And I just grabbed Tanner and I said, you're okay. Mom's okay. It's okay. It's going to be fine. Nothing's going to happen. You're okay. And he ran and jumped on the bed and it was quiet. It was just quiet. And we waited and about 15 minutes went by and he found something, unlocked the door. He unlocked the door and he comes in and he has that knife and right in front of me and my son, he just takes it and slits his wrist. Oh my gosh. And walks off and locks us in the the door. So you're in your bedroom now? Yes. Okay. And, um, so that story just by itself is so traumatizing and that's not even what the whole attack was so your poor son too having to experience this so that in all by itself is just a horrible terrible experience yeah so that had to be the beginning of the end for you right yeah i knew like he mentally you know he he had already told me that he needed mental health, that okay. when he said he can't work, he can't eat, he can't sleep because he constantly thinks I'm with somebody. And I don't know where that came from. Mm-hmm. I mean, we weren't married. Like I said, that law, uh, I had never cheated on him. Well, you like, do nothing. know that that has nothing to do with you. Like this well, stuff. it took me, yes, yeah. it took me a while <laughs> to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. You know. Right. But at the time, you just like, why would he think that? Yes, yes. You know. Um, yeah, so. But he had already told me that. So I knew I mentally, you know, I have to figure something out. Yeah. And I just, I was so scared because you think, okay, if I tell my parents, they're just going to say, We'll kick him out. Okay, well, that's not going to work. So if you call the police, and of course, I know more about the police situation now. You know, you just yeah. get a piece of paper, you know, and right. things like that just don't work when you have the crazy man that I was dealing with. I honestly yeah. believe he would have got me. He would have got me somehow. Like yeah. the piece of paper does not So I just thought, yeah, I don't know what to I'm going to have to probably kill him myself. Wow. Yeah. That's the only thing I could think of. Right. And I mean, I'm, I only, I couldn't say that for a while because I didn't want people to think, Oh my gosh, but that is the honest truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, you hear of women that are in prison Yes. Because they killed their significant other or boyfriend because they didn't have a, another choice. And right. I honestly thought that's the only way out. I am going, yes. And that was my plan when I tell everybody I was, you know, gonna, I wanted my daughter to have a nice birthday. And then I was going to take matters into my own hands. 
that was my plan. Right. I, now, I did not have another plan. Right. Now, this attack in the bathroom happened how f much before this uh, the party and the attack? Um, it probably happened a, um, maybe about two months because our, uh, like I said, it was one year and three days. So our, our one year anniversary was coming up. I do remember that. Mm -hmm. But his way of apologizing for that incident was going and getting a huge tattoo of a heart on his back that had my daughter's name's Taylor, my my son's name's Tanner, and I always call her Tay and, and Tan. He got a heart that said Tay, Tan, and Bran. And it had a dagger going through it with blood dripping down. And what it meant was my heart bleeds for y'all. Oh boy. Oh. And I, I just, uh, yeah. Just, so anyway, <laughs> that was his way to apologize yeah, for that incident. Right. So but, that, so you had a lot of stuff happen in between when you got married and this attack with him as far as your relationship. And you had said that a lot of things had started to go badly with him and your relationship. Um, just so that our listeners kind of the ones that are like, yeah, this was happened. What happened to me? Um, what are some of the other things? Like, so we know that he, your son was probably terrified of him after that. And maybe even a little bit before that too. Um, but just the things that like, now you know the red flags and stuff, but what were some of the things that he was doing? I, we get, you know, that this has happened, this happened to me too with the, um, you know, the following me and showing up at my work and, but just between the two of you alone when you're home, what were the things that he was saying to you that were really starting to make you upset? Um, you know, there were red flags that, you know, I, I, that even in the beginning when things were kind of good that I really didn't, you know, pay attention to, like, um, he wanted us to move in a secluded area where nobody was around, like, you know, way out in the country or something, you know, he didn't want anybody to be around. Yeah. He didn't want, he didn't want us in the apartment that we lived in. He wanted us to find somewhere, not an apartment, not a duplex, a house to where there were no neighbors close by, right. even though our house, the house that we did find that we rented did have neighbors. Um, he, um, besides the jealousy and everything that was, you know, happening, um, he would kind of, um, I don't want to say try to manipulate my friends and, and family again, like things that I would tell him, you know, was going on or I talked to my mom, you know, yeah. um, just normal stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I can't believe she said that, you know, she's not, you know, just kind of turn it to where 
it may it's making it worse than what it really is right and you confide you should be able to confide in your husband and tell him something like that happens to all of us so I, I, you get off the phone with your family member and you're like oh gosh that was really upsetting you know and so you you want your husband to be your confidant and somebody that you can tell these things to and they listen neutrally but right they'll turn that and use that against you and that has happened so many times with people yes you know and my main thing was him and my son um there were you know my son would call me at work and say mom steve's being mean to me you know and i would call him and say what's going on right you know and he would put it all on my son oh, of course you know he just he just wants you all to hit himself you know he um i didn't really say that to him he's telling i don't know why he's telling you that i never would say that to him i love him you know and it's confusing yeah and i just you know now that i know that he abused him as well and that that was going on Mm -hmm. you know it it took it took a while for me to not blame myself you know because I was going through, you know, I knew he was abusing me. Um, It just never, I never in a million years thought, well, maybe my son is acting like this because he is abusing him. You know, my son never came out and told me. Right. Um, That's too scary. Yeah. Yeah. He would tell tell me, I tried to walk by the door and, and Steve put his arm out and, you know, I, I, went up against the wall, you know, little stuff like that. Um, But, you know, he couldn't tell me what he really wanted to tell me because Steve was telling him, if you tell your, if you tell your mom, I'll slit your throat. All right. I'll slit your mom. I'll slit your mom's throat and kill her, Mm -hmm. you know? And so he was dealing with the same thing that I was dealing with, Yeah. you know, poor kid. And, you know, I later found, later found out that he had this little bitty hammer um, that you get in like a little toolbox, a mi- like a miniature toolbox, mm-hmm. and he would keep it under his pillow. You Your know, son? that was his little weapon. Oh. <laughs> oh. And, um, well. I, you know, I, I, it was mainly my, you know, just my son and, and just the red flags of, you know, him trying to turn everybody like, well, everybody's against him, you know? Yeah. Yep. A lot of that is gaslighting too. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. So tell us what happened leading up to the attack. So it's your daughter's birthday, your, your ex-husband or your, the father of your children Um, has planned this party, bought her a car, was going to be really exciting. So tell us how that all unfolded. So um, her dad and stepmom lived in Memphis. So we were going to drive. The kids went up the day before Mm -hmm. to their dads. And uh, me and Steve got up Saturday because he wasn't going to let me go by myself. But um, he drank a venti glass full of gin before we even 
as we were getting in the car. Oh my gosh. Um, so he was already so under the influence. Yeah. <laughs> he, you know, he was not wanting to go, but, um, I just wanted her to have a good birthday and then I was going to take matters into my own hands. And, um, we drove down there and before we got out, I said, please don't ruin her birthday. And he said, well, act like a wife. And I said, okay. And we got in there. He played cards with everybody. He, of course, everybody was drinking and he drank more. Um, he kept coming to me. There was a lot of people there. Mm -hmm. Their dad is the baby, the baby of 11 and mm -hmm. seven of them were guys. And I've known them for 30 something years. And so there was a lot of communication with my kids' uncles and he didn't like that. Um, so he kept periodically passing me by whispering in my ear, telling me, you know, um, I'm going to fuck you up tonight. I'm, yeah. you know, going to be, you know, just all kinds of stuff. I knew I was not going home with oh him at that Your point. Stomach must've been in knots over that. Yes. And I didn't know what I was going, like, I didn't know what I was going to do. Cause we, we drove together. Right. I didn't know. I, I didn't know. I knew I, at that point I was going to have to tell somebody, I, somebody because I, I was gonna have to stay somewhere yeah and I yeah so I ended up telling my daughter that I needed to stay with her okay. at her hotel mm -hmm. because Steve Steve was too drunk and he was saying things I think is what I told her being mm -hmm. ugly to me right. and she said okay and so she was giving everybody um rides in her new car she had gotten it and so um everybody was parked on the side of the road because their driveway was kind of at a tilt mm -hmm. and we were me and steve were standing up at the garage and my kid's dad and brandy their stepmom were standing kind of beside us and my daughter was pulling up from her last um ride that she was giving someone and um, Steve was whispering stuff in my ear, and I kept just pulling my head away. Mm. Well, he grabs me by the back of my neck and pushes my head down. My daughter jumps out of the car, and my kid's dad runs over to us, and he says, um, hey, man, don't you ever touch my, uh, don't you put your hands on my kid's mom ever again. He said, matter of fact, why don't you get off my property? And he escorts him all the way to the street. Mm. And... He says, let's go, Brandy. And I said, I'm not going with you. And he said, well, then I need my phone to call somebody. And his phone was up in my purse. And um, my son ran to grab the phone. And he came back out. He said, Mom, do you, do you want me to give it to him? And thank God I said, no. Mm -hmm. I grabbed, I, I got the phone. And so at this time, Steve had got in the driver's side of the car mm -hmm. and there was people in the <clears throat> people in the street, people in the grass, people in the driveway. It was so loud that I didn't hear that he had started the car. Mm -hmm. So he, the door was open. So I went around the door to hand him the 
phone and he reached up and grabbed my shirt and floored the car and my body went underneath the car and he drug drug me uh drug me 500 feet wow underneath the car it's awful and um uh my flip-flops flew off and i saw my feet just dangling at the back wheels and i remember thinking right then if he lets go of me, I'm going to die. I'm going to be crushed by the car. Mm-hmm. So that was the first time I realized I was, that I was probably fixing to die. Um, and I just remember the pain was excruciating. Yeah. And then I look up, I look up and I see my daughter running after the car oh. with this hor- horrible look on her face. And I remember thinking, to God, I remember thinking, if this is the last face I see before I die, then I'm okay. Mm. Um, and he kept going until I couldn't see her anymore. And he stops and he reaches down and I don't know how he had the strength, but he grabs and pulls me over and throws me into the passenger seat oh my gosh. and shuts the door and takes off. And he just starts beating me and beating me. Um, I managed to, and he says, we're going to die. And so I managed to put my seatbelt on. And so this is the second time I'm thinking, okay, I'm fixing to die now. And I put my head down and I tried to put my hands up to protect the blows that were coming. And I could feel the car just going this way and this way and this way. And he's just getting faster and I just said God please take care of my kids and um he steps on it and then bam we hit something and so we that um dust or something kept coming down and when it cleared out I realized we had hit a a tree on my Mm -hmm. side and I just remember thinking okay I've got to do something. And I look over at him and I thought, I'm going to do reverse psychology. And I remember saying, baby, please, let's just go home. We can work this out. Everything's going to be fine. And he looked right through me. It was nothing, but I'm going to kill you. I mean, I could see it all over his face. And so he gets out. He comes around the car and my side was so crushed he couldn't get the door open and so he comes back and he reaches in and just pulls me out through my seat belt and everything and i'm barefooted and he pulls me out and i'm stepping on all this glass and i remember i mean your feet coming your feet coming must have been out all bloody of, right from the dragging on the ground yeah, yeah. But I step out of the car and I remember looking around and I'm in this neighborhood and I remember thinking, oh, God, for a split second, I remember being happy because I'm in this neighborhood and I'm thinking, where is everybody? You know, I'm in a neighborhood, like somebody's here, but there's nobody. And he grabs me and he takes me in front of the car and he throws me on the ground and he gets on top of me. And he starts banging my head. And the first blow, I remember thinking, God, take me now. It was the worst pain. 
And then the second blow, my kids pop in my head. And I remember thinking, I can't leave them. They'll never make it without me. Mm. So I put my hands on the back of my head to protect my head. Mm-hmm. And so he, he banged a couple more times. And then he stood up and he starts kicking me in my face with his boots oh. and in my neck and in my head. And then I remember trying to turn my head. And then all of a sudden he comes on this side and kicks and knocked all my teeth out. Oh my gosh. And then finally we hear sirens oh. and that must've been the best sound ever. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He knew he wasn't going to be able to dismember or kill me. So he tried or got on top of me to dismember my face. And he first tried to rip my mouth open and pull my tongue out. And then he, um, I tried to put my hand up and he bit a chunk out of my hand. He bit my thumb and crushed it. Um, he bit a chunk out of my face. And then as they were getting him off of me, he grabbed hold of my eye and ripped the muscles in my eye and, and twisted my eye. Wow. Um, so they got him off of me. And I remember somebody coming over to me. And by this time, I, I couldn't see anything. I, and I was just exhausted. And I remember a, a sweet man's voice saying, um, you're going to be okay. But I could hear his boots close by scuffling on the ground like he was wrestling with somebody so he was trying to break through he was trying to wrestle the police officers wow and i just i was so scared at that point i was just i I said please don't let him go and the guy said you're going to be okay we got you and so at that point i was in and out in and out and the next thing i um remember is the gurney popping up yeah and um at some point, I later found out that he had told the police that when she tell her when I make bail, I'm going to come and kill her and the kids. Mm. And so because of that, he did not get bail at all. So he once he went to jail, he was in there. Yeah. Thank um, yes. So um, he. Uh, um, um, the, the gurney popped up. And in and out, I remember it was like you can't hear anything when you're, um, I guess, in that stage. It's just like you're in and out, in and out. Um, There was apparently ambulance and police and just everything. Um, And my uh we got to the ambulance and they went to put me up and i just remember hearing this loud little girl screaming um like um just a a yell screaming and i can remember it was just way from a distance and i don't you know i didn't know why it grabbed my attention, but that was just something that stood out. And then I remember being pushed in the back of the, um, 
ambulance Mm -hmm. and then um, don't remember much. And then I remember um, hearing the guy on the radio say um, to the hospital, we'll be there in 20 minutes. And I said, sir, did you say 20 minutes? And he said, yes. And I said, I'll never make it. And he said, Miss Smith, you'll be okay. And I said, no, you don't understand my head. My, Uh-oh. Sorry. Okay. I said, my brain is swelling. This, everything y'all have on me is just, you know, tightening up. Yeah. I said, I'll never make it. And he said, you're going to be okay, Miss Smith. And I said, I'm not. Um, I'm going to die. I can tell you, I, I like I, I'm not breathing good and my brain is swelling. Yeah. And he said, Miss Smith, um, your daughter is in the front seat. You're going to be okay. And I said, did you say my daughter's in the front seat? And he said, yes. And I said, so she found me. And he said, yes. And I said, you said 20 minutes. And he said, yes. And I said, let's do it. Yeah. And so, you know, I later found out that when she was running after the car, she fell to her knees and she had like a panic attack and that, you know, they had to help her catch her breath because she honestly thought that I wasn't going to make it. And so they all ran back to the car and got in it and. Um, her dad happened to know a police officer and called him and tried to, he was telling him what was going on. Right. And um, he said, yeah, it's all over the bulletin right now or whatever. And he said, we got to find her. I got to get these kids to their mom. Mm-hmm. And so they had happened to go left thinking that that's probably where Steve went when actually we went right. And mm-hmm. so by the time they found um, where it had happened, Mm -hmm. it was taped off, you know, a lot, you know, um, and so when they got there, they ran up to the tape and it was right when they were wheeling me and putting me into the ambulance. And, um, she ran up to the tape and started screaming, which Mm -hmm. was that little girl scream that I've used to for, you know, 25 or 19 years at yeah. the time, 21 <laughs> years. And, um, they wouldn't let her through at first. And her dad talked to the police officer and said, Hey, you know, we don't know if she's going to be alive or not. Please let her daughter ride in the ambulance with her. Yeah. That's so and great. so they let her go in the ambulance and everything. And so, um, we got to the hospital and, um, when I came out of surgery, she was right there. So that's so great. Wow. That story is just amazing. And the fact that you survived speaks volumes about the strength that you, and just, you know, I do believe that your kids in your foreground of your mind is really what helps to keep people fighting, you know, I mean, Oh yeah, absolutely. It's just so incredible. And um, I'm sorry that that happened to you. It's just so, so sad that, you know, you had to endure that. But I I know that you're doing a lot of amazing things now because of it. Um, You co-authored a book. uh, But before we talk about the book, um, we did chat a little bit about you telling 
others what advice you would give women now that might be listening right now and might be with somebody right now that's abusing them and they just don't know what to do like you didn't what advice would you give them at this point you know what I and I I, I honestly I think about this a lot because I look back and I think I was sitting there thinking I'm gonna have to kill him yeah So I look back and I think, what if that day didn't happen and we came home? My next plan was to kill him. Right. You know, there's so many resources. There's so much, you know, there's, there's so much education Mm-hmm. There's so much support there. I've learned so much. Yeah. But I'm never going to be that one that says, you know, why didn't you leave? Or you have to get out. Right. Only because. I've been there. I know exactly, you know, what these ladies feel. If I would have taken the advice from somebody that told me, Mm -hmm. you know, go ahead and, and, and leave, come here. You're going to be fine. We're going to make sure of that. And then something does happen. You know, you just, you just don't want to, you have, like, you have to make sure that the situation is safe. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you want to make sure that you, know exactly what you're doing if you're going to help somebody. Right. And you had that first. Yeah, for sure. And the safety plan is very important for. Yes. Yes. Um, I have also learned that there are advocates and other people that are quick to jump before they, they know the whole story and learn everything. You have to make sure the safety like first mm-hmm. um, because just because you've heard one or two or three stories, they're not all the same. Right. The men, the men are not all the same. Mm-hmm. You can say they're, you know, they're all narcissists or they're all crazy or, you know, they all need mental health and that may be true, but some of them are those killers. Yeah. Those that will go the mile, the they will go the hundred percent and kill. Yeah, you know you just have to be careful. So, as far as my advice, you know, absolutely, I want you out of that situation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you to to get out of it tomorrow. Right. 
there has to be a plan. Yeah. And there has it has to be a different plan for each situation. And I honestly believe that. Exactly. Because I've heard I've heard so many stories and I've worked in a women's shelter. And you know, there there's just each one is different. So you just have to I just honestly believe there's there's different advice for certain situations. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And for the women that are just in a relationship and starting to see signs, um, that's a good time to just maybe end it. But when you're already in it and you're fearful for your life, you know, the the thing that I always talk about here and where I live, there's been so many women that were murdered while they were trying to leave because they right. didn't understand the capabilities or like for you, you know, you had a lot of threats. It was very scary. And sometimes you think, I don't know that he would ever actually do anything to me. You know, like there's that thought going on in someone's mind. And a lot of times women are always trying to talk themselves out of it being as bad as it really is because they're, they don't know what to do and where to go. And I always really promote the safety plan, but the safety plan itself has to be specific for each woman. So, right. you know, we've had women who are just like, I just need to get out. And, you know, you wait till they're at work and you have the police presence there with you while you're leaving. But before that, you know, I have them getting their bank account in order, finding a place to live, making sure you have a car, all these things. And then, and, and sometimes they're like, oh my gosh, it's going to take so long. But then after they put all those things in place, then the actual leaving is the the thing where I always recommend having a police officer there and knowing that they've already taken things slowly out of the house that are not being noticed, you know, so many little things. But there's been some women who are like, well, you know, I left. There was one woman here, she left, but then she went back to get some things and he was there and he ended up killing her and himself. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I get it totally. And it's not yeah. a one size fits all for sure. Yeah, and there's some, you know, that can say, "Well, I don't, I don't think that he would ever do anything." And that, but there's some like me that, oh, I can tell you, he's going to kill me. Like you, you know, you it. know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just know it. Um, so I could talk to you for hours, but just to be, I know, <laughs> but, uh, I know you wanted to talk about the book. So um, the book that you co-author, co-author, co yeah. sorry. <laughs> She wins is hashtag she wins too. Okay. Actually. Yeah. Yep. And that's up um, on your Facebook page. So if people want to see the way the book looks. So yeah. tell us a little bit about it. Um, me and nine other ladies um, co-wrote it. And actually the author, um, Alyssa Devine, her, her story's in it. Um, she actually wrote um her story for the first time in the book um she wins um she wrote she wins first hashtag she wins and it did so good she decided to do she wins too oh, okay um so um but we just had a retreat in orlando and we all got together and we met each other and oh, um awesome. it was it was yeah it was nice it was nice um you know we all get together and it's like you know what else can we do you know what can we do so you yeah. know we're trying to you know come up with um some kind of video or something where um you know we talk you know have like education and all the resources and 
you know, just each one of us having our hour video about our actual, you know, what we've learned and, you know, just stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah for sure. But yeah. Well, you guys could join our movement that we're um, putting together. So we're kind of trying to do the same thing, um, being that we just got off the ground with it the women that are in the movement are all survivors except one of them, but she is a survivor, a domestic violent advocate and has a lot of things like that going on. But we're going to each tell our story um, one at a time. We'll put post that video on the Facebook page. And so we have just thrown that idea out there because we did an introductory video, each one of us, but then we're going to do our stories, but we're in the same boat. We want to educate. We want to help. Um, one of the women is, um, dealing more with teens and young women and men. And so I love that idea that we start with them when they're young. And so I think that when people start to meet all of us in the movement, they'll be like, hey, I really resonated with her. I want to talk to her. Or, you know, I have a teenage daughter and I think she should talk to Esleen because she's the one who's really educating young women. So I do think it's very important for um young women to know right out of the gate like what you do and do not have to tolerate it, it women are just seemingly always in this position but it's because of certain men who don't have their emotions in order they may have been abused they never got help they might be drinking it might be drugs it might be just that they have you know it's a power and control thing as you know probably from all your years of education on this power and control is what drives this sort of abuse. And and when you think back on what happened to you, it's them trying to assert their power and control over you. And by keeping you down, it's the classic moving away. That's so classic. Um, they do things starting off seemingly loving, right? Like, oh, I just want right. to give you a beautiful house in the country. And, oh, you don't have to work. You know, I'll support us. So now he's pulled you away from any kind of resources that you have. No right. job, no money. Um, you know, we don't need two cars. Let's save money. I'll drive you. I love you so right. much. Stuff like that is how things sort of start with a lot of people. Next thing you know, you find yourself all alone in the world. Nobody wants to talk to you because they don't like him <laughs> or he makes right. them nervous or whatever it is. And so you start to lose friends and connections. And um, it's just very scary when you look back on it now. Like, oh, my gosh, look at what I look at where I was and but the strength that you have is amazing I just want you to know you know and the everything he told me in the beginning was a lie like he told me you know he was his dad died when he was little his mom was a a, a, a drug you know she was on drugs and um, she was never at home so him and his brothers had to you know, fend for theirself and eat out of a dumpster and all this stuff. None of that was true. Not any of it, oh you know, and I, I fell for it. <laughs> uh, well, but you can't feel bad about it because anybody would feel bad right. for someone, right? Right. And that's the thing. It seems like they find these nurturing women. And like you said, in the beginning, you were on the phone talking all the time. You were probably talking about every little thing because it seems like it's going great. And then all those little things, they're like, oh, this is perfect. She's very going to be easy for me to manipulate yeah 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 and it's just sad that yeah children... I, asked, I asked my I asked my therapist a lot you know why you know it was I 
feel like I'm a smart person, you know, yeah. why did I believe all that, you know, and, but I, it took me a while to figure it out, you know, yeah. it wasn't me, you know, I'm not a dumb person, right. I'm, I'm and smart. It's, it's but... never us, and I, that's one thing I'd like to say to women is, it's never your fault I mean, could you have made a better choice of a man? Maybe, you know, could you have done a couple things differently? Maybe, but nobody deserves to be treated this way. Nobody. And normal, right. healthy relationships, if it's not working out, you have a conversation and say, I don't think this is working out. Let's just, let's just, you know, let's get a divorce or let's split up or whatever. And that's how it's supposed to go. There shouldn't be power and control. You shouldn't be a prisoner in your own home. You shouldn't have any of this stuff going on. And have you seen the power and control wheels that they have? Yes. Lots of yeah. them. And they've created lots of them. But the original one was created in Duluth, Minnesota. And there's the power and control wheel. And then on the other side, it's the equality wheel. And I always like to say to people, okay, is this happening in your life? And they're, oh, yes, all of those things. Then you turn it around, and it's the equality wheel, which is what your relationship should look like. So, you know, that's right. the thing that if women, young women are more aware of this, and they'll be like, if somebody's treating them badly even once, they'd be like, well, see ya, I'm leaving. Like, I'm not putting up with this. But we sometimes we have low, like, my whole situation was low self worth. I didn't feel I was worthy enough to have the kind of man that I deserved. So I settled. And, right. you know, we, and we can't blame ourselves for that. It's, it doesn't matter. Even if I was a person with low self-worth and I met a man who wasn't abusive, my relationship would grow and my self-worth would grow with somebody who's loving and nurturing, right? right? It wouldn't get worse. And it just tears away at whatever little shred of beautifulness that you had at some point in your life when you started off. And if you could even remember, that's how I feel like I always say to women, can you even remember, remember, what did you used to love? What did you want to do when you grew up? What did, what were your dreams and things that got you excited? It feels like all of that just gets squashed down, stomped on, and it's gone forever. And I, it's not gone forever. It can be revived again once we can move into safe relationships. So, well, this has been awesome talking to you. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we conclude? No, I mean, thank you so much for, you know, having me. Um, oh, you're more than welcome. And I will, you know, anytime you want to talk about anything or any subjects, I don't mind at all. Oh, um, well, I would, I hope that you um, become part of our movement and join yeah. with all of us and any kind of education that we can give women, um, you know, that'll that'll be the goal and and yeah. telling our stories and because that's another thing that we um realize with the movement group is that there's a stigma behind being a victim and shame about being a survivor and not wanting to tell, to tell your story and i just think that you're so brave for um telling your story and being brave enough to tell it and i know that must have been very hard for you so i really appreciate it you telling it over and over must be so hard but just know how many lives you're touching by like you have come out on the other side. You look beautiful based on the Thank pictures you. I saw of you <laughs> with all, the, all, yeah. the, for all the surgeries and everything, yeah. you know, and you're going to be stronger for it. So, um, thank you so much. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, you have a great rest of your evening and, uh, we'll, we'll be hearing more from Brandy coming up. Absolutely. Soon. All right. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.
Hello. If you're interested in finally being free from your past emotional wounds and living the life that you deserve, I have a six-month coaching program called Triumph Over Trauma that shows survivors of domestic abuse how to overcome their past trauma and take control of their lives forever. I will be there for you every step of the way. To get started now, go to KarenMessina.com and sign up for your free confidential consultation where we will talk all about you and put a plan in place for your future. Now is the time to take back your power and control. See you on the inside.